0: Europe is facing its worst gas supply crisis
1: ever. We are in the fight of our life, And the war in Ukraine has exposed the profound risks of
2: our fossil fuel. Addiction. The European Union is looking for solutions. At the same time, it wants to reduce reliance on Russian energy. BP has reported the second highest profit in its history. The energy crisis that is currently being faced in Europe is being compared by some analysts to that of the 1970s. Back then, many Western economies were built on the foundations of cheap, reliable fossil fuels. But when OPEC countries switched off supply, costs and prices across the world shot up, causing high inflation, cost of living crises and huge economic pain. At the height of the embargo, half a million people were thrown out of work. Products we manufactured and sold dropped from 10 to $20 billion in value. In response, Some countries sought alternative forms of energy that were less dependent on the whims of unpredictable governments, as well as being cleaner for the planet. But once the flow of oil came back, many countries decided to return their economies to running on fossil fuels, switching back on coal-powered factories, and to some extent, it was business as usual. But not so in Denmark. this week's episode of What The Denmark is a little different to our usual explorations into Danish life and culture, we're taking an investigative look at Denmark's transition from black to green. We're going to examine what Denmark did differently to other countries after the 1970s oil crisis, looking at how and why it happened, and in light of the current global energy situation, what lessons we can all take from their approach to having a green transition. I'm your host Sam Floyd, welcome. So, let's travel back to the 1970s. After the global energy crises of 1973 and 1979 hit Denmark, the Danish government, and by extension its people, were adamant that they would not be at the mercy of oil and non-renewable energy again. Whilst many other countries were relieved to get back to a state of affordable, non-renewable energy, the Danes decided that this was a time to fundamentally reshape their economy to be built on green, renewable sources. It wasn't, and still isn't, easy, but through cooperation of the public and private sector, Denmark now boasts a resilient and largely sustainable energy sector with relatively little impact on the climate. So here we are. This
0: is our showroom. This is where we host international visitors every year, political, commercial decision makers who come to Denmark to learn about the green transition that we have gone through in Denmark. Mm -hmm.
2: To learn more about Denmark's green transition, I visited Finn Mortensen, the executive director of State of Green. I'd go so far as saying that Finn is pretty much the most qualified person in the whole country to speak to about this topic. So Finn Mortensen, director of State of Green. What's your day-to-day job look like?
0: It's a small organization. We are about 15 people. You can compare us to a branding organization. Mm -hmm. Our job is to make Denmark known internationally as a green nation. We have what you call a public-private partnership, not-for-profit, partly funded by the Danish government via the annual budget bill, partly funded by the three major business organizations in Denmark. And then we have a number of corporate sponsors who also want to support our course.
2: The work that State of Green is doing to spread the story of Denmark's green transition and encourage the rest of the world to follow suit is pretty admirable. But I also like how open they are about the almost selfish benefits that they see from doing this. One of the biggest roles State of Green has is Helping Danish exporters
0: export their green solutions and also helping to attract international investment into Denmark. Mm. And hopefully also perhaps attract talent to come to Denmark to Mm. work because there's a tremendous pressure on the workforce here today. We have lots of open jobs and in the future we will need many more skilled people. Mm.
2: This is done through a number of activities.
0: We have the showroom here where we, on an annual basis, receive between 2,000 2,500 international visitors, commercial and political decision makers. They may have heard about Denmark mm. as a green nation. They want some more inspiration as to concrete solutions. Perhaps they want some information about policy regulation. How did we do it with renewable energy? What kind of measures have we taken on energy efficiency? Mm. We put together visitor programs, we can
2: set up meetings with Mm -hmm. cabinet ministers, etc. And it's something that Danish organizations see benefit in too.
0: All of them are very good at doing their own marketing, etc. But they can also see sometimes a good idea in being part of having an umbrella organization Mm. providing the neutral information about Denmark. Because it's also important to stress we are non-political. What we relate of news and information is facts only, new government initiatives that have been adopted, for instance. We have some very ambitious goals. We've had that for many years. We have the whole story about Denmark moving from being totally dependent on fossil fuels back in the 70s to where we are today, and the vision to be net zero by 2050, and actually to have reduced our C2 emissions by 70% by 2030 already, Mm. which is very close.
2: Finn explained that Denmark was still totally dependent on fossil fuels in the 1970s. So, in his own words, how did this green transition all begin? What were the first steps that Denmark took and why?
0: Denmark didn't differ much from many other countries back in the 70s. We were totally dependent on fossil fuels. We had not found oil in the North Sea,
1: Mm.
0: didn't have any natural resources there. So we relied entirely on imported energy. 95% of it was oil. Mm. So when the first oil crisis hit the world in 1973 in the winter, Denmark really was stuck in a very... Difficult position because all of a sudden the OPEC countries they decided to mm. turn down on oil supplies, and the price of oil went up
2: dramatically. And that just means like there needs to be energy in Denmark.
0: We need it. I mean, it's you. You <laughs> will know it's a cold country.
2: Yeah.
0: Especially in the winter time, it can mm. get very cold. So we rely heavily on heating. Mm. And back in '73, the oil crisis really hit us at a very, very difficult time because it was November, it was freezing cold, mm. and the government and parliament simply had immediately to tack a new energy course. We needed to start diversifying our energy supply, moving away from oil. Initially, we moved over to coal, mm. but at the same time, government and parliament decided to start focusing on renewable energy, mm. Not very much, but a little bit. And secondly, also to start focusing very much on energy efficiency from the point of view that the cheapest energy is the energy you don't use. So, a number of measures were taken. Broadly speaking, you could characterize them by the stick and carrot method. Mm -hmm. Stick being very high taxes on all kinds of fossil fuels. Mm. The carrot being economic incentives to businesses who could come up with new ways of manufacturing their goods where they use less energy, for instance. Mm. And for private individuals, they could get tax rebates or economic incentives to start insulating their houses.
2: Finn had mentioned the discovery of North Sea oil. So before we moved on, I wanted to get his perspective of whether discovering these massive oil deposits had led to a different trajectory for Denmark's neighbor who did find them, Norway. Before the oil was found in mm. Norway, were they basically going through the same trajectory and it just so happened that all crisis hits, Norway actually has oil, so they didn't need to do all these measures? Or
0: I can't remember the exact years and dates for Norway, uh, but I actually think they had to. They were in the same position as Denmark uh, initially back in 1973. Mm. They had not started yet producing that much at, mm. at the time. And I think it, it went for all countries. Uh, the first tool you go to is taxes. You start taxing imports of fossil fuels. Mm. One important difference between Denmark and most other countries is that, you know, after a while, oil prices started falling again.
1: Mm.
0: But it was decided in Denmark to keep very high energy taxes, mm. simply in order to start pushing for this To make sure move, it wouldn't happen again. Precisely, mm. and to start moving into a more renewable era. <laughs> so most of the countries, they simply lowered their taxes when prices started falling on crude oil, and thus it became cheaper for people, and perhaps they forgot about how important it is to save energy, but in Denmark we learned it the hard way because the government, supported by a parliament, decided to keep very high energy taxes and it's still the case
2: today. We have very high energy taxes. What is it about Denmark that you think made them have that realization versus
0: other countries? I don't have the answer to it. I think it's a combination of several things. I think we are very pragmatic in Denmark. You have As you said, you've done a program on trust, I Mm. think. That also has to do with it. When authorities in Denmark said something at the time, then we trusted it and said, oh, we'd better do as they tell
1: us.
0: (laughs) So we are very law-abiding people. But I also think that, especially when it comes to energy, it's a question of looking at your own purse. Petrol, for instance, being extremely expensive, you thought twice about taking your car for a ride. Mm. We had a period in the winter of 1973 when the government said that we have to regulate the use of cars. Mm. So if you owned a car, you were only allowed to use it every second Sunday, for instance, depending on the last cipher on your number plate, mm. even, uneven, yeah. etc. simply in order to cut down on consumption. And I think much of the government policy translated into the Danish mindset mm and if you go today to a Danish kindergarten and see some of the toddlers running around going to the toilet one of them forgets to turn off the tap of water one of the others will be there immediately and say hey you forgot to and Mm. then you go and turn it off so we have been brought up with it for decades that energy water scarce resources Mm. we should take care
2: but what if Denmark had discovered the oil you probably know that Norway is now one of the largest oil exporters in the world, with revenue going into a state-owned fund that has made Norway one of the richest countries in the world. But if you look at a map of where their largest oil deposits are, it's actually way out in the ocean between them, Denmark and Scotland. There were no land boundaries to demarcate where Denmark ends and Norway begins. They were drawn up on a map in a negotiating room between the countries. And so it's very plausible that if the boundaries were drawn slightly differently it would be Denmark who would be in possession of the massive oil deposits. I was curious to ask Finn about his thoughts on how this alternative history could have played out. Would Denmark have kept its focus towards renewable energy? I think the
0: fact that we did find, eventually we did find oil in Mm. the North Sea and started pumping and actually started pumping big.
1: Mm.
0: But even at the same time, We kept this focus on renewable energy and on energy efficiency. Mm. So I think, to me at least, it goes to show that, yes, we can make money on it. We actually started, we became a net exporter of oil because already around the 2000s. So we've been a net exporter for many years. But again, I think we look at it as things from two perspectives. What's good for the overall economy Mm. and how is my own economy doing? Mm. So on your own economy, you still, even though Denmark is making a lot of money or was making a lot of money on exports of of oil and and, and gas, when it came to your own economy, you would still be careful about spending. Mm.
2: Is it because of the taxes? Because of
0: the taxes, absolutely, yes. Decisions have been taken to to phase out coal entirely. The use of coal in Denmark will Mm. be, have done the last one, the last power plant in in about a year's time or so, Mm. 18 months time. There's a decision to phase out oil extraction, Mm. uh, no new borings or anything. Mm. But it's also, it's a generational thing. I mean, we have young generations today who care much more about climate the environment, sustainability, etc., than my generation did originally. Mm. I think it, it dawned on many of us in the 80s. There were some uh, uh, European incidents, acid rain, for instance. Mm. Environment came up in the 1980s uh, mm. uh, for Ernest. But today, we had a national election in Denmark in 2019. Mm. Uh, it was dubbed the climate election. Mm. simply because a few weeks before the election there were some opinion polls that showed they had asked people what do you care about the most in this upcoming election and a majority of people said the climate Mm. which wouldn't have happened 15 years ago.
2: So it appears that the green-leaning attitude of Danish voters has helped to guide and support the nation's efforts towards more climate-conscious policies. However, there are countries around the world that continue to develop plans to build new coal plants and drill more oil. I was curious to hear Finn's opinion on what he thinks sets Danes apart. Is there something about Danish culture that puts greater value on climate policy?
0: I think that's difficult to say. I think if you look at the other Nordic countries like Norway, Sweden, Finland, you'll find many of the same traits among the younger generations here, as we see here in Denmark, about caring about the climate, enough is enough, things like mm. that. But I think it also it resonates with the way people are thinking in other European, at least North European mm. countries. So I don't think, you, you couldn't call it a specific Danish Mm. attitude. My personal observation is that younger people are becoming more and more vociferous in questioning, do we need economic growth? Is economic growth in itself Mm. a value? What kind of economic growth should we have? It should be sustainable. But I mean, go to Poland, for instance, where they're closing down the coal mines. What are you going to do about the hundreds of thousands of people who have been employed for decades or for generations in the black sector or black economy? When we talk about green transition in Denmark and also the other Nordic countries to a large extent, we see it also as very important to talk about just transition
1: Mm.
0: to make sure that you get, for instance, what you do about the Polish mine workers, how to get new jobs for Mm. them, in what sectors. And I think there are some learnings from Denmark, at least also, Mm -hmm. in in that respect. What's an example of that? If you look at on the west coast of Jutland, there's a a city called Mm Esbjerg, which used to be a fishing port, the most important fishing port in Denmark. Some 20-25 years ago, that more or less disappeared because, well, other ports took over and fishing went down. So, Esbjerg transformed itself into the oil and gas port of Denmark, and not only of Denmark, but of the North Sea. So many of the oil rigs, they were supported out of Esbjerg. Now the situation is different. So now Esbjerg today is the number one port for shipping of wind turbines. I think it's mm. the major part of global wind turbines have actually been, blades, etc. have been shipped out of Espia. Mm. So this transition where you also take into consideration what kind of skills are needed, how can we upgrade the mm. skills of people who used to work X, Y, Z. Mm. And that's one of the areas where I think the, the Danish approach where we have close cooperation between the government, the labor side, and business and industry Mm. is very important because I think we are very good at looking at challenges in a holistic way. Mm. So contrary to many other countries in Denmark, labor doesn't see business and industry or the government as their uh, enemies. We seek consensus on many issues. We always try to involve and engage the other side, Mm. which has helped this green transformation.
2: The case of Esbjerg, a town on the far west of Denmark, is a useful microcosm for understanding the wider country's transition to green. To manage Esbjerg's transition effectively, the government put several initiatives in place to support the local economy, ensuring jobs were saved and local people supported.
0: The city of Espia, the mayor, for instance, would call in the labor unions locally, talk Mm. to people from the central government, talk to business and industry and say, how are we going to deal? With this issue here. Mm. How can we help one another in securing that there will be jobs in the future for people who used to work in the oil industry, Mm -hmm. in the offshore industry, for instance. Then the government would say, okay, we can provide some financial assistance, perhaps courses to upgrade the skills or retrain people who used to work in that area. Mm. I think a good example was that when we had the financial crisis in 2008, Mm. Denmark, like most other countries, was the Danish economy was severely affected. And especially in Jutland, uh, where they lost many, many thousands of jobs. Mm. But many people were retrained and went into the green economy, working Mm. for wind developers, turbine makers, sub-suppliers to the wind industry,
1: Mm.
0: people working in the water technology industry, etc. All of it took place in close cooperation between some of the big companies themselves, the local council, and money from the government side in order to upgrade skills, for instance.
2: Mm. Have you seen that approach being taken in other countries?
0: I think that you have seen some of the the same ways of going about it in, in other Nordic countries. But I must admit, I haven't digged into it and seen how effective have they been. I think it's fair to say that we have been pretty effective here in Denmark. Mm. And that's also what we hear from some of the international visitors. Mm. we have. They uh, have been extremely interested in learning from the Danish way of doing things. But it, it's a question of culture also. You can't make a one-to-one uh, comparison. I mean, Denmark yeah. being 5.8 million people, relatively homogeneous yeah. uh, population this close cooperation between business industry government we don't see each other as enemies we are consensus mm. uh, so, seeking yeah. so it, I, there are many countries where it, w- where it wouldn't work
2: yeah but it, but i think what's curious is like in in those countries where it doesn't work mm. what are some things that can be done to make it more likely mm. so india mm. a billion people yeah v- yeah worlds apart from from little denmark yeah. But are there elements of what is happening in Denmark that could be transplanted and then morphs to the local culture? Mm. Or, or is it just this only works because there is this sort of underlying culture? And obviously, there's a, a, a spectrum on it, but mm. I'm curious if, if which bits of your policy, the Danish policies, mm. have been most exportable, if you look at the sort of policy aspect?
0: On the energy side, we have close cooperation with a number of developing countries. We have energy advisors working in ministries in developing countries, for instance, Mm. helping them to formulate energy policies that will actually promote a green transition. Mm. I think that has been extremely effective, not only in helping these countries formulate the right policies, but also, and that's a side effect, obviously, but, but important also, indirectly paving the way for Danish solutions.
2: If hearing about Denmark's strategy for a green transition is making you feel like you want to make a difference in how you spend your working hours, perhaps by working for a company that is doing something climate positive, then you might be in luck. Denmark needs international people to move here and work. Being a small country, there's only so much tech, engineering and other talent that's available and lots of aspiring Danish companies are actively trying to hire internationals. These companies typically work in English, often are doing something interesting and good for the planet, and working for them means you get to live in and cycle around one of the happiest countries in the world. If this sounds interesting, then go check out the State of Denmark's website. There you can sign up to job alerts from Danish companies looking for internationals and read more about what your everyday life in Denmark could be like. Head to www.state-of-denmark.com forward slash wtd. The link is in the show notes as well, because it's a bit of a mouthful to say. Now, back to the show. State of Green strongly believes that collaboration is the fastest way to achieve green transition, which is why a lot of their work involves creating partnerships.
0: One of the most recent examples, which is exportable, which we are working with here at State of Green, the current government, together with business and industry, a couple of years ago, decided to set up some climate partnerships. We have 14 climate partnerships today. Each climate partnership deals with a specific sector. It could be transportation, finance, trade. These climate partnerships were tasked with coming up with recommendations as to how could they, within their sector, assist Denmark in reaching its 70% goal. Because Mm. everybody knew the government itself could not do it. We needed some close cooperation between the private sector and the government. Mm. So these climate partnerships, each and every one of them, came up with recommendations within their own area or their sector, Mm. and secondly, they were also tasked with looking at could they come up with recommendations, solutions that were replicable and scalable, and could be used in other countries. Mm. So, the whole notion of climate partnership We are now, from our side, trying to export, like we're trying to export Mm. the story about Denmark.
2: And I think this sort of comes to one of the, maybe it's obvious to some people. Mm. It wasn't obvious to me initially, but this idea of the more Denmark has sort of built this competence on doing a green transition, the more other countries can be going through this, the more you can sell your services Mm. or export more. So it becomes almost a, lead generation tool for being able to promote Mm. Danish business.
0: I think history has shown that green business is good business here in Denmark. And that's a notion that we try to export to other countries. Mm. If you compare total Danish energy consumption in 1990 with Mm. today and look at GDP, you'll see that we have been able over that 30-year period to sort of, you could say, decouple our economic growth Mm. from the use of energy because our energy consumption over that period has remained more or less flat. We've Mm. been able to reduce our CO2 emissions, but we have been able also to increase our GDP by more than 60% over that period. Mm. So that track record really shows that if you go about it in a diligent way, you can actually create economic growth without increasing your overall energy consumption. So I think that's a good lesson, at least that's the way we see Mm. it here.
2: You could argue that the rest of the world clearly has a lot they could learn from Denmark. But I was also keen to hear about whether there was anything that Denmark had acquired from other countries.
0: We've made a lot of mistakes also over the years in our policy regulation, Mm. which others have learned from. Over the years we've had some subsidies, for instance, to people setting up solar panels Mm. in their homes, on their houses which turned out to be extremely costly for the government. There has been criticism over the years about the subsidy to wind turbine developers. What's the criticism? Well, back in the 80s some people argued that it was not a cost of him. Those people didn't really think about sustainability or anything. Mm-hmm. They just said we are paying more for energy than we need mm-hmm. to because why not just pump some more oil or whatever mm-hmm. it could be. So undoubtedly, we have made mistakes and we have learned from other countries
1: right now. I think in
0: some of the city areas, we have definitely also looked at some good examples in other countries, what could be done. Mm. For instance, when it came to digitizing city infrastructure, lighting, etc. That's areas where we have looked at what have other countries Mm. done or cities done and replicated that or perhaps refined it.
2: If you've ever found yourself in a supermarket in Denmark, you may have noticed individuals entering the shop with arms full of empty drinks bottles and cans. To outsiders, this might seem like a strange concept, taking empty containers back to where they came from. However, this is actually one of Denmark's most successful recycling initiatives in action.
0: If you buy a glass bottle, a plastic bottle or a can, hmm. you pay a deposit of approximately 1 krona fifty which is about... Ten cents. Yeah, something like that. You pay the deposit, and once you deliver it back, Mm. you get the money back. And it means that we have a return rate of 95%, 98%. But I
2: think what's interesting is that, like, this seems only possible because there is this infrastructure Mm. at supermarkets there are these machines where you can put it in. It gives you a little receipt saying, so if you give 10 bottles back, you get 15 krona. And that allows you to have money off in the supermarkets yes. that it comes from, Yeah, that feels like that's an exportable model. Mm. Has Denmark exported Oh that? yes, yeah. absolutely, yeah. absolutely.
0: And actually I talked to some people from Kenya earlier today and they're also looking into sort of a bottle system mm-hmm. and a deposit system also for other kinds of goods. Mm. Right now in Denmark we're looking at could we have some kind of deposit system for plastic cups, when you go to mm. uh,
2: Starbucks to buy your co- yep. coffee, for
0: instance, uh, should there be a deposit on that, how can we set it up?
2: That's an example I can imagine where the Danish system mm. will work in one way because it's Denmark. Yeah. but then you know, that might need some local adaptation in. in it, it
0: will. Yep. I know that they will introduce uh, a system in Scotland okay. next year next summer a um, bottle deposit system. It should be said also, we have um, actually some big challenges and problems in Denmark when it comes to waste. We produce much too much waste. Hmm. We are, I think we're still number one in Europe when it comes to waste per capita, production of waste per
2: capita. And that is rubbish, like that's trash and stuff. Yes, precisely.
0: Number one. Number one. We're not very proud of it, but it's still the case. So we need to start reusing much more, we need to do away with some of the triple, quadruple packaging of of goods, etc., vegetables. So just to say that even though we have come a long way on the green transition in many areas, there are are also areas where Mm. we are lagging behind and have some very big challenges ahead of us.
2: So Denmark is still far from perfect, but it's encouraging to hear how the efforts they're making to become a more climate-conscious country could be adopted by other countries who are also looking to implement greener practices. When it comes to a greener lifestyle on the individual level, one of the major things that I and pretty much any foreigner will have noticed is the attitude towards cycling here. I'm just looking out the window Mm. and there's lots of cyclists going past. Um, Mm. Does the promotion of cycling fall under State of Green's remit?
0: We try to promote cycling, absolutely. Not only for health reasons, but also for congestion. I mean, mm. in the Copenhagen area, we have super highways for bicycles. Mm. There are no traffic lights or anything. You just go straight into the city. And the latest figures I saw was that in Copenhagen, some 65% of all people living in Copenhagen use the bike to or from work mm. or from university or whatever. So it's easy to get around.
2: Are there other cities or visitors that you get where they say, look, we'd love to get more people cycling in our city, yeah. but it won't happen yeah. because of X. I was in Lisbon recently. Lisbon's a very hilly. Yes city they might struggle with cycling up. but
0: we have cities in denmark which are very hilly also where ah, people still use it, the bike <laughs>
2: it's a hilly city in denmark don't believe it
0: <laughs> oh it can be tough yeah I, I come from one of them but no it's true we are a relatively flat country compared yeah. to many other and, and that makes it a lot easier to
2: mm. urge people to use their bikes Whatever your perspective is on the best response to climate change, Denmark as a nation has undoubtedly done a very good job at branding themselves as leaders in green energy. Despite having less than 0.1% of the world's population, Danish companies are some of the world leaders in this industry of the future. And a big reason for this success is no doubt due to the efforts of the Danish public and private sector reimagining future ways of living and then coordinating themselves into action. If there's somebody listening to this show, mm-hmm. and they're either a commercial or a policy decision-maker, yeah. and they're like, Denmark is doing a great job, mm-hmm. but I've got a boss or a committee that are pretty sceptical, because mm-hmm. they say, well, it might work for Denmark, yes, but our country, our context is so different that it won't work, therefore we're going to continue with this mm-hmm. non-green policy, what would you say to that person?
0: I would say that you should still come to Denmark. You will get some inspiration. Hmm. As I said earlier on, I'm fully aware you can't make a one-to-one comparison between Denmark and other countries, but I would be pretty surprised if you didn't find some inspiration to a specific area that could be become more green, Mm. or your policy, your government policy on an issue could move in a specific direction. You could nudge people to become more uh, energy efficient, for instance. Mm. I think it's too simple to say that, sorry, it can't be done here because of this Mm. or that. There's plenty of inspiration to be taken away yeah. from a visit here. And we would be pleased to welcome <laughs> them here yeah. and put together
2: a visitor program. And talking them. of inspiration, what is sort of a, an inspiring project mm. that you've uh, aware of uh, that's either happened or that is sort of beginning to happen?
0: There was an announcement last week. Denmark, Germany, the Netherlands and Belgium together announced, uh, actually in Espia, the city we mm. talked about before, that they will build... A powerhouse in the North Sea, 150 gigawatt, uh, which will be, I mean, it will be able to provide energy, electricity to 10 million people. Mm-hmm. It will be costly, but it's a great project. I think it will stand out as a beacon for many other countries over the next few years, and, and, and we're going to see more of it. And it's—it's a,
2: it's a, where does the power come from?
0: Uh, wind turbines. Oh, wind turbines. 10,000 okay. wind turbines to yeah. be put up in not only the Danish area of the North Sea, but mm. also some of the other areas. And it's a huge project. It will cost an enormous amount of money. Mm. But I think as in this case, as in many other cases, you need to say, what would the alternative be? Mm. And the alternative is, is not good.
2: Thanks to listening to this episode of What the Denmark? In the show notes, we have included various links to things we have spoken about. If you'd like to learn more about what we do, then head to whatthedenmark.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram by searching for What the Denmark. Thanks to Enna Zorna and Anna de evans for producing this episode. And thank you to our editor, Tevin Sudi. As always, time for our Danish sign-off. Vi ses næste So we're going to try and do green transition. Okay, let's see how we go. Uh, It seems to be recording. Okay.